Good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our Wednesday Night Fuel virtual encounter. We are always, always excited for the time that we get to spend with each other, for the time that we get to spend in the word of the Lord. I know that we were not together virtually last week and moving forward, we're going to continue in our, in our virtual capacity, but we're going to be doing some things to continue to enhance our virtual offerings of, from you, to consolidate them, to build um, some virtual community, if you will. Let me say this. I recognize where we are. Uh, many of my fellow clergy have stopped streaming altogether. That is not what we're going to do. We're going to continue in our streaming. We're going to continue to offer you uh, that as an option. We know that we have people who are working that cannot come to the building. We know that we may have people who are uh, unable to come for health reasons or whatever your circumstance and situation is. But then there are able-bodied people who are able to come to the house. I am not here to badger, to belittle, to make anybody feel bad. But I do challenge you. I challenge you not to, to use the presence of technology as an excuse not together with God's people. One more time, I challenge you not to use the presence of technology as an excuse not to gather with the Lord's people. So we are going to continue to offer this. I'm going to be fine tuning, enhancing, developing it yet the more. Uh, but I encourage all of you to come to our in-person uh, gatherings, to, to come around the saints, to celebrate with us at the table, to partake in the sacraments, to have corporate worship with all of us together. I encourage all of you to do that. And, and I will even say this, um, if you are unable, if you are out of state and you have not found a church home and this is your way in which you can connect uh, to a word that you believe is uh, enhancing your life, that is reaching you where you need to be reached, amen, and praise God for you. So let's pray. And I'm excited to be giving you uh, some of those, that new information as it comes forward. Um, again, by Pentecost Sunday, by Pentecost Sunday, we will have some things in place to fine tune our virtual experience. And I am excited to be able to offer that to you. And I'm excited about Pentecost Sunday. So more details to come because Pentecost Sunday is right around the corner. And I'm excited about that. Lord, I thank you. I give you praise. Lord, as we go into the word today, give us ears to hear what the spirit would say to the church. Give me the strength to deliver with precision and clarity in Jesus name and for your glory. Amen. Now, we have started on Sunday um, a new portion of our teaching on walking in our regenerated identity, walking in our regenerated identity. Identity. I just need someone to go ahead and write in the comments wherever you are watching this. Lord, show us who we are. Go ahead and write that in the comments. Lord, show us who we are. Um, just to bring everybody up to speed, if you haven't had the chance to listen to the message from this past Sunday, I encourage you to do so. But I need to say this. The absence of identity most often leads to the misunderstanding of purpose. One more time. 
The absence of identity most often leads to the misunderstanding of purpose. The late Miles Monroe used to say something uh, very profound when it comes to purpose. Uh, he wrote uh, so much material on the subject of purpose. He said, when purpose is unknown, abuse is inevitable. Abuse, abnormal use. So the absence of identity often leads to a misunderstanding of purpose. And therefore, the door to abuse is opened. If we look at our foundational text, we see that reconciliation actually opens the door to true spiritual identity. Reconciliation we defined over the course of the last six weeks as the restoration of orderly, right, and original relationships. The restoration of orderly, right, and original relationships. But this reconciliation actually opens the door to true spiritual identity. If you will, look at Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21 and 22, Colossians 1, 21, 22 says, although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you. He has given you the opportunity to have orderly, right and original relationships in his fleshly body through death. Look at this in order to present you. So the reconciliation does something. It makes you presentable. How? What should our presentation be? Holy, blameless and beyond reproach. Holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Now, it is, it is vital that we understand this is how the Lord uh, wants us to look. This is our identity in Christ. Holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. It is unfortunate that we have taught in such a way that seems to uh, give people the feeling that they can just stay broken their entire life. We say things like, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But, but when you declare death and life are in the power of the tongue, that you are a sinner, you're giving a statement of identity. To be a sinner is one who is still in the practice of sin. Even the Bible says, for all have sinned, past tense, and come short of the glory of God. But to label yourself as a sinner is giving yourself the identity that sin is your practice. And that's not true for me. And it should not be true for anybody who is born again. The identity of the born again should be holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Holy, having the characteristics of purity. Blameless, that means to be unblemished. And beyond reproach, unaccusable. I'm not going to reteach all of that. And here's, here's where... I want to dig today, if you just give me a, a few minutes to, to get through some of this. The issue that we often run into when it comes to walking in our true spiritual identity, the identity of the born again, holy, blameless, beyond reproach, is that most of us, most of us are fighting against the truth of our spiritual identity as found in the word of God. What, what, what do you mean by that? Many of us are fighting internal battles between what we believe we are, what we believe we have to live like, how we believe we have to think, how we believe we have to behave, and what the word of God says about those things. And so, over the course of our lives, however old you are, many of us have internalized the lies. 
What lie? You're never gonna make it, you're not good enough, you're never gonna get a better job, you're never gonna graduate, um, you're never gonna get married, you'll never move out of this neighborhood, you'll never be able to do this, you'll never be able to do that, you'll never uh, get off of this medication, uh, you, you, you'll never be happy, uh, you'll never go on a vacation. Simple, simple things, but we've internalized those lies. All of your relationships will be broken. Your children will never do better than you are. All of those are lies. And we've internalized those lies. We've internalized our historical mistakes. I lost that job. My car got re repossessed. Um, I've gone through bankruptcy. I lost a house. Uh, I messed up that relationship. I didn't do right um, by this. I didn't do right by that. We've internalized those mistakes. We've also inter internalized our normative patterns. This is the way my older brother did it. This is the way I've seen all of my cousins do it. This is the way my mother did it. This is the way my father did it. Uh, this is all I've ever seen. And so we have internalized, internalized those things. And now, listen to me, many of you who are listening to me right now are walking out these internalized mindsets as a matter of muscle memory. Because that's what you've always, always seen, because that is what you have always experienced, because that is what you've always been through, and because you have internalized that, now you are walking this internalized mindset out. The first fight, listen to this, the first fight is not external, it is internal. Let me recapitulate something I said on Sunday. If I do not know how to determine, declare, and defend, I'll give you those three again. If I do not know how to determine, declare, and defend who I am in Christ, the enemy can cause me to believe and therefore walk as someone I am not. I'll give you the entire phrase again. If I do not know how to determine, declare, and defend who I am in Christ, the enemy can cause me, help me God, to believe and therefore walk as someone I am not. See, many of us are having real difficulty determining our spiritual identity because we are surrounded by those who applaud us living in a way that is contrary to Christ. You know, here's what I'm finding. If you believe that what you're doing is right, you actually will, will, will not seek out any more right. <laughs> there are many people who like this is good enough and they believe that how they are living is good enough because they've never been exposed. This word's going to come back exposed to anything more than that. Walking in our spiritual identity, and, and listen to that word exposure, I, I pray to get back to that. Walking in our spiritual identity requires us to believe God. Oh, I believe, I believe God. I, I, I believe him. Yes, I do. I believe the Lord. But, but is that a cliche or is it a reality? Walking in your spiritual identity requires us to believe God. As a matter of fact, I say this often. I need to say it again. Your prayers are only as potent as what you believe. You will never pray beyond your belief. You won't do it, especially if you don't believe in praying in the spirit. 
That's another whole lesson, especially if you don't believe in praying in the spirit. Romans 8 says we don't even know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit maketh groanings, you know, which cannot be uttered. Groanings which are too deep for words. But many of us don't even believe because our immersion doesn't include praying in the spirit. And if you don't believe in praying in the spirit, now your prayers are limited by what you can comprehend. And many of us, our belief structure is minimal because our exposure is minimal. So walking in our spiritual identity requires us to believe God. Let me build on this a little bit. John 10. And we know this verse, but I, but I, I challenge you guys not to dismiss me quickly. John 10 verse 10. The thief comes, listen, only. This is why we can't play with the devil. The thief comes only, not sometimes, only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it, have it, it, the life abundantly. So if we do not believe, if you're sitting here and you're listening to me and you say, I don't believe that Jesus lies. I don't believe that Jesus fails. This means that we must believe that Jesus achieved what he came for. What does he say? I came that they might have life. And have it, the life, abundantly. We must believe that Jesus achieved what he came for. What? Abundant life. Abundant life. Now, to slow this down, I know that I have some, some smart biblical uh, scholars who may be listening. I know some of you are, are reading and, 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 and you are reserving John 10.10 10 as merely eschatological. In other words, what you are saying is, I'll have abundant life in heaven. I'll have abundant life once Jesus returns for his church. But John does not treat the word life there like that. John, outside of the synoptic gospels, handles the, handles the Greek word life or zoe in a different word, than the, in a different way than the synoptics. For John, this type of life is available as part of the salvific work of Jesus. In other words, I can have life and life more abundantly right now as I live on this earth. Matter of fact, oh, as a matter of fact, let me remind you of something. I said this Sunday too, but let me remind you of 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. I have to have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is present tense, so also are we where in this world. So my confidence when he comes is based upon how I live now. I'm confident in the coming of the Lord based upon me walking in my spiritual identity now while I yet breathe on this earth. So when John says, I come that you might have life. And have it like right now, more abundantly. This is not eschatological. This is right now. So what is this Zoe life? What is life more abundantly? Zoe is, listen, the condition of living healthy, happy, exuberant, hallelujah, full of energy and vitality. The condition of living healthy, 
I need y'all to hear me. Happy, exuberant, full of energy and vitality. That's Zoe. It literally, it literally means the presence of the divine within man. The presence of the, of the divine within man. Now, remember, I told you, glory to God, that reconciliation actually opens the door to spiritual identity. Yes, we remember you said that. And if you remember, reconciliation is the restoration of orderly, right and original relationships. Yes, you also said that. Well, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That is original. If you go to chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man became a living soul. And so the presence of the breath of God, the divine, within man, that's how God originally designed it. As a matter of fact, if you do any word study on the word zoe, you will find that, that the word suke in the Greek, which is where we get soul, is actually a synonym. It's a synonym for zoe. Why is this important? Well, this is what Jesus came for. To give me the presence of the divine within man. That means that I should be living in a state of health, happiness, exuberance, energy, and vitality. Oh, oh wait a minute. You know, that's not always the case. Listen, I am not going to settle for less than what Jesus died for. I'm just not. I come that you might have life and have that type of life more abundantly. Now, I'm still not sure. Some of you may be saying that this is available to us now, this type of living. Like, I believe it. I believe that God did it. I believe that Jesus died for it, but, 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 I'm not sure about it coming now. Let me say this before I read this next passage. Not only is this connected to the salvific work of Jesus, but it is unlocked through the word of the Lord. Some of us struggle with this type of living because we're not under this type of word. I said some of us struggle with this type of living because we're not under this type of word. One more time. Some of us struggle with this type of living because we're not under this type of word. There are things that I listen to now from pulpits that I used to think was right. And I'm not even talking about um, so much theological arguments. There are things I used to shout over that at this point, God has opened my eyes. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave it there. But, but please understand. When you gain revelation to reveal, to lay bare, when revelation comes and you begin to walk in revelation, there are just some things that you see different because things have been revealed. Now look at John chapter 5. 
John chapter 5, we read verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, here it is, because let's go back to my statement I made. Not only is this type of life connected to the salvific work of Jesus, it is unlocked through the word of the Lord. Verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, they're salvific, has eternal life and does glory, does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into Zoe, into life. So soon as I hear the word and believe, I, I, uh, there's a transition that happens right then. When the word transforms me and belief takes place, this is salvific. I make a transition. I move from death to life. I move out of one set of laws into another. Excuse me? Okay, let's do this. Romans chapter 8. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, there's a transition to this type of living. There's a transition to this type of exuberance. There's a transition to this type of overflow, if you will. Let me say this. I'm going to move forward. I was by my grandfather's bedside near the end of his life. My grandfather loved the Lord. He was serious about his relationship with the Lord. He walked in all of the revelation he had. But one thing that as I get older, I've come to experience is that my grandfather had Zoe. And the interesting thing is when he was nearing the end of his life and the doctors were coming in and they were saying to him, we got to do this test and that test and figure this out. And we don't know about this and we don't know about this. I can remember my grandfather never looking panicked. He lived a full life. He never looked panic. I never saw him look worried. I remember one time they, they said they couldn't find a vein in his arm and they were going to have to look for a vein in his neck. And my sister was there. And she was freaking out over the, the, the prospect of them putting this IV in his neck. And my grandfather Never changed expressions. He said, okay. Why are you bringing this up, Bishop? Because I need you to understand that something different happens to you when you get peace in God. See, peace in God doesn't mean that trials won't come. But it means in the trial, you maintain your spiritual identity. My grandfather maintained his spiritual identity. In other words, he continued to walk by faith and not by sight. And so he continued to have. See, we think that health is confined 
to always or, 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 or always feeling the way we want. But health like prosperity is nothing broken, nothing missing. My, my grandfather had finished his course. I'm going to leave that there because I don't want to. He had finished his course. He had peace. He never lost his happiness. He never lost his exuberance. None of that. My grandfather's body had come to the end. This is the type of Zoe that all of us as believers are supposed to live. This is a spiritual identity like, come what may, it is well with my soul. But we struggle with this. Why? Scripture says one thing. But then we start living in our feelings. We believe our past experiences. But if we're going to walk in the identity of the born again, we must not allow Anything to override the word of the Lord. To this end, we got to be honest. I need everybody listening to me to be honest about whether or not you're stuck in a particular place. I want to give you three questions from a practical perspective. And, and, and for the sake of this, I'll, I'll end. Three questions from a practical perspective that I want you to really be honest about. Number one. What do you want to see changed in your life? Now just write the question down, make the answer. What do you want to see changed in your life? Number two. What does the scripture say about this area of your life? The area you want to see changed. And right here is where we, we, we're going to get our first rub. This is what I want to see changed, but this is what the scripture says about that. What does the scripture say about that area of your life and what you desire? Because see, sometimes the thing that we want to change and, and, and how we want to see it change, change, change is not what the scripture says. Explain. Sometimes we want something that the Lord never wanted. And I want you to be honest about that. Number three, are your current actions Contributing to a change that will please the Lord or a change that will grieve the Lord? Are your current actions contributing to a change that will please the Lord or a change that will grieve the Lord? I want you to struggle with these questions because you have to come to truth. And if you're having issue coming to truth, that's what you need to bring before the Lord. Because what the word will do is it reveals. I'm going to dig into this a little bit more, but I, I, I want to be very mindful of your time. It reveals. See, the glory of God is an exposer. This is why oftentimes we don't want the glory. We want to create our version of the glory of God, but not the glory is found in scripture. Because when the glory of God comes, it exposes. It exposes the state which I'm currently living. It exposes the state in which I should be living. 
and exposes the habits that I need to have to operate in my spiritual identity. So I want you to struggle with those questions, deal with those questions and come to the truth. Because if you're not willing to be in alignment with the word, then you don't want to pass from death to life. If you want to live your spiritual identity, you got to believe God and be willing to live the way that God tells us to live. Then we can receive what he died for. May God bless you. May heaven smile upon you and give you peace. This is my prayer.